This episode of Tour Denver is brought to you in collaboration with Sunrise Robot. Be sure to visit sunriserobot.net and discover other great podcasts about the arts, technology, and culture. Tour Denver is a storytelling event created by Amber Blaze, Derek Mund, and me, Michael Edwards. Hi, I'm Amber Blaze. Tour events take place live at venues around Denver, Colorado. Each night, a theme is chosen and three curated storytellers share their tales. All of these stories are told without any written notes, with each storyteller living in the moment with the audience. See the full schedule of upcoming Tour events and listen to other episodes at RackandTourDenver.com. This Tour event took place at Fort Greene on March 8th. The topic of the event was First Muse. Our Tour this episode is Jovan Mays. Jovan is the Poet Laureate of Aurora, Colorado, and a National Poetry Slam champion. He's been published by The Pilgrimage, Button Poetry, and Write About Now. Jovan told us about his experience teaching and how some of his students have inspired him to be a better artist. Let's hear Jovan tell his tale. Hi. Man, I got hit by a wave of some little illness today, so bear with me a little bit as I try to get through this performance. I was thinking about this first Muse thing, and, and I love working with kids. It's a big passion of mine. I run a poetry program in the schools called Your Writing Counts. I see right around 150 to 200,000 kids a year, and just make sure to try to remind them that while the educational system may have robbed them a little bit of their creative writing skills, they still are there, and we work hard to kind of unearth that to keep kids grounded and know that they can kind of thrive in that environment. That being said, through my life, I've been through many um, experiences um, as a mentor, um, as a camp counselor, as, a, as an educator, um, and uh, today I'm going to kind of share a couple of those experiences with you. Um, I'm going to kind of flash back to 2012. And um, I remember this, I'm, I'm at the National Poetry Slam in uh, Boston, Massachusetts, and I get this odd text message from um, a friend back in Shadron, Nebraska, where I went to college at Shadron State College. And um, he's like, hey man, uh, Zach's not doing well, right? Now, Zachary Muma is one of the coolest kids I've ever met. Um, I got to be a part of this program called Panhandle Mental Health. And what, what it was is essentially kids who had like um, a physical disorder and a social disorder, they got paired up with a mentor to kind of work with them. Zach's um, social disorder was that he was socially awkward, which is like kind of funny because we're all socially awkward. <laughs> um, and, um, and then uh, his, 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 his uh, kind of medical thing was that he had pretty serious type one diabetes. And the first day I got to sign to Zach, he got in a fight on a middle school playground at a school and some kid had pushed him over and he fell onto his backpack. His backpack started oozing insulin everywhere. See, Zach uh, is a full Lakota Indian. Um, and so because of that, even though we lived in Shadron, Nebraska, he got all of his medical um, stuff done on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation. Um, which will kind of um, resurface its face inside of this story. Um, through our time, uh, we had a, a ton of fun. I remember uh, I'd, I'd, I'd 
sit Zach down inside of public arenas and try to have him go have conversations with people that he would never have conversations with. And watching him sort of die and melt in those situations was hilarious. And we laughed. And, uh, you know, before you knew it, he's in high school and his hair is starting to grow out into this little lion man. He's really starting to isolate himself in his community. He's teaching techno um, classes, how to make techno beats at his church. He's also, um, he's also uh, uh, an expert um, in, uh, in karate. Um, and this is like the most conservative small town I've ever lived in. And so it's really cool to watch this kid kind of operate this way inside of his own body. Well, it's 2012, and Zach has really made some milestones in his life. He's graduated high school. Um, his mom is like one of my really, really good friends, and um, things are going well. He took a full journalism scholarship to Shadron Day. And um, I uh, called my buddy Miles back, and Miles wouldn't answer his phone. And I had to talk to my host mom in Shadron, and she said, hey, um, Uh, Zach had a had a diabetic uh, complication, and um, Crystal had to to take him to the hospital in Shadron, and they denied his care um, because he's Lakota, and she had to drive as fast as she could to Pine Ridge to get Zach his care, and while she was driving out there. Um, her vehicle hit some loose gravel. They rolled about five times, killing Zach instantly and putting Crystal in a coma um, for five months. And I don't know if you've ever found out about a close person to you passing away late. You don't get a chance to go to the funeral. You don't get a chance to kind of have the right parting with this person. And it was a really difficult time. And I did what I do sometimes um, from time to time. I like to go to movies by myself, um, in particularly like movies that are usually excessively white, um, so my friends don't judge me. Um, so I, uh, I went south to Highlands Ranch um, to see this movie called Saving Mr. Banks. And um, <laughs> I cried so much during the movie, I like filled up my popcorn tub. Um, but uh, what I remember most specifically about it was this really cool kind of monologue at the end of it where um, Walt Disney is talking to the, uh, the author of, of, of the book, Mary Poppins, Travers, and he's like, look, I lived a really, really tough life, and I refuse to accept that my hardships are definitive of my entire life. And he offered this really unique quote. Um, this is what us dreamers do. We, re we reinstill order with imagination again and again. And I thought about that. I thought about how Mary Poppins was this inversion of an original concept that was really sad and how a lot of kids, a lot of kids who are going through foster care, a lot of kids who are going through different things found solace in Mary Poppins. I had a job to do then. I had to breathe Zach into existence the way that I wanted to see him in existence. <clears throat> this poem's called The Constellation Zacharias.
Today, he was exactly what the earth intended him to be. He was content, creased in paper air cranes, bursting into the rural night sky like a flock of pheasants milky weighing in the aftermath of buckshot. Two weeks ago, I was just a chocolate lab, sifting through a social media bush, trying to find an old winged friend. His Facebook wall was decorated like a Christmas tree, handwritten ornaments. Rest in peace, Zach. We'll miss you. I love you. It has always amazed me the way that those labs can sniff the sorrow right out of a pine grove. Like 9-11 canine sniffing sorrow out of a manhole, I like to wonder how slow your chest must have felt after its last rise. Was it like an ocean crawling up on the shoreline and dragging all of us back in? Or was it like driving through the rolling hills with those city lights inside? The appearance appears, then disappears, then you actually arrive, and you have arrived here, Zach. Departing from all of us. And they keep on saying that only the good die young, but I can't help but wonder about the light that must have left you. I bet it was the brightest beam the plains had ever seen. Lightning reaching out from the ground, the prairie grass cracking open and your inner incinerating into the wind. So many of our young boys are delivered where roads were not meant to end. I'm sure that you could hear a pack of mothers gasp simultaneously and sometimes there are no forks in the road to make decisions and sometimes you're just low insulin comatose with a panicked mother driving too fast when a life flight came. I wonder if they could feel all the impacted life you have remaining in your breaths. I wonder if the night's air was cold enough that they could actually see it. I wondered if they could catch it in mason jars and use it as a guide as it materialized into light bugs to where you sat in the sand hills with your mentor, Joe Vaughn, when you were just 16 years old. And you swore to God that if you leap from this cliff with a potato sack in hand, that you could collect enough stars on the fall that they would turn the burlap bag into a balloon. You'd be wearing a top hat and a three-piece suit with those weird white gloves, our newest form constellation. Zacharias, the boy who wasn't a god but dreamed like one. The one who treated his life like Legos, constantly stacking, building, scrapping, and rebuilding stronger. And you left me without saying goodbye, dude. They always do. But you said, Jovan, I don't believe in that phrase. So instead, Jovan, peace. Instead, Jovan, breathe. Instead, I am still here, and you are still here, Zach. We see you every night when the clouds clear. Who is that soul up there ransacking the stars and throwing them back down to earth? So many wishes you have given that never came to you. A mysterious light, a daydreamer and a night plotter, a lesson on how to live life. You live like you own the clocks, like life never ticked on you, like you never talked on it. And I was once told by a 16-year-old curly-haired boy in Shadron, Nebraska, that if I ever needed a ticket to the atmosphere, all I had to do was ask, and a helping hand would come. So here I am, buddy. Let's stargaze from a cloud bed, look for the smoke signals from the sand hills, and there I'll be, three-piece suit, shine shoes, a mason jar lantern, and a potato sack. Let's catch us some stars tonight, Zach. Make that solar system ours tonight, Zach. I will not miss this one. I am front and center, forever yours, your mentor, Jovan. Poem. <clears throat> Word. Um, That little stretch of time was easily one of the hardest parts of my life. But I've learned, though, through the powers of kind of like magic realism like that, that you can, you can control how things are seen. 
it's a lot easier seeing Zach as this star-catching dream boy like he was rather than his little vulnerable body and caught in some wreckage out in the Western Plains. This whole process of education and I think the moment that most educators dread when you lose a student or a mentor that you got really close to um, is a sense of dread that you always know exists, but you, you, are, you are, will consistently, consistently be surprised by it. And I wanted to make sure that um, I didn't tell just one story of um, one person of great loss, um, because there's another story. Um, that kind of supports all this. And um, this is gonna be my, my last little thing I have to say, but I hope you guys enjoy it and I appreciate uh, you staying with me here. Um, but this poem's called um, To Michaela. Every morning, when I walk into a classroom, summer camp, daycare, or poetry workshop, the threads of so many lives seem to tangle, knot, and slide over and around each other. If you pull enough strands, you start to wonder if they're not all. Every last one. A tragedy. But they're not. Despite the relentless stream of sad, sad stories, every once in a while, one of my kids gets out. This is for Michaela. See, if Buckwheat had a twin, she was it. Knock knees and elbows, big old buck teeth and braids adorned with neon beads sprouting out in every which direction. When I asked the class the question, what do you want most in life? Following answers like Xboxes, iPods, and millions of dollars, Michaela stood up and said, Jovan, I want parents, just a mom and a dad. You see, foster care wasn't being too kind to her. She was the woman of the house at age 10, responsible for cooking and cleaning for a dad who was supposed to be taking care of her. See, he dropped her off early every morning and told her to wait in the bushes until I got there to open up the doors. And as I made my way up that sidewalk, I could hear the bushes singing. And yeah, I marveled because homegirl could sing. For three years, I watched this bulb of potential flower despite the rocky soil, and though she did bloom, every season it seemed a little bit harder, and I don't think that anyone believed that her dream parents would arrive because being a 10-year-old foster care kid is kind of like being a 40-year-old pitcher in the farm leagues. You're weary at the mound, praying on every pitch, and no longer sure if you're ever gonna make it to the big show. See, when I said goodbye to her at the end of last summer, her morning melody still rang in my head. Walking up that sidewalk a year later, the last thing that I expected to hear was silence. In less than a week, I was rifling through old files for a contact. When the foster dad answered the phone, I asked to speak to Michaela, but she was gone. But no worries, he said. <clears throat> she has parents now, and she's singing in a church in Tennessee. And I can just see her, flanked by ranks of strong black women, arms spread, making a joyful noise through a tooth-heavy grin that stretches easily to let the stained glass butterflies of her hallelujahs burst forth. And I think, hallelujah, hallelujah, because so many times we're tangled in these threads of tragedy, so many knots, so many frayed fibers, so many loose ends, so many kids. We have to remember, we need to remember that sometimes they'll end up singing in a choir in Tennessee. You see, this is for every kid we have to watch struggle, for every horrific ending that we have to swallow and move past, for every time we assure them that it will be all right, knowing full well that it won't, the fact that it might is all that we need to go on. So when the knots, 
seems so dense and constricted that picking them apart will only shred our fingernails. We have to be patient and keep unraveling because one of those threads might, just might, lead to a church somewhere in Tennessee. Hallelujah, Michaela. Hallelujah. Thank you guys so much for your time today. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tour Denver. Visit RacontourDenver.com where you can find upcoming events, speaker bios, and more episodes. This podcast was recorded and edited by Michael Edwards of Sunrise Robot. Visit SunriseRobot.net and discover other great podcasts about the arts, technology, and culture. Thank you.